0: A day and I'll go to school tomorrow. First impressions are incredibly important. Honey, you can make a wonderful first impression. Brenda, how could you? He was a jerk. Okay.
1: I've made my choice, and I choose me. <laughs>
0: So, Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome to 902 oso at Beverly Hills 90210 podcast retrospective series. I am JT, and joining me as always on this wonderful journey through time is my co host, Tim. Tim, how are you?
1: JT, I am awesome. Flashing back to the early 1990s, always such a pleasure with you. And we've got quite the landmark episode we're going to get into here on 902 Unoso. And, and to really make it mean
0: something, Tim. I scheduled this a certain way to drop as the final podcast of 2021 on the North-South okay. Podcast Network. So we're closing out the year with this monumental installment of Two one so, And like you said, it's a big episode. And to do so, we had to bring back one of our most knowledgeable naoto guests that we've had so far and fans. He uh, was with us previously in an earlier episode, back in episode four, and he's here again. That is our good friend, Mr. Drew Warlaw. Drew, how are you?
2: I'm doing good, boys. How are you?
0: Doing well, my friend. Excited to have you here. This is one we definitely wanted to earmark for a well-versed, well-knowledgeable Nano 210 fan. Um, Right. That's been here, so we don't even have to waste any time going through the origin stories. We're going to dive right into this um, episode, but I will just ask, like, really quick. Is this one you guys, like, did it, like, when you saw it, you knew it, right? Like, that's definitely Mm -hmm. like that for you guys, too? Yes.
2: Yes, Absolutely.
1: This is so awesome because this is actually the first episode I was able to catch when I started watching the show in syndication. Mm-hmm. So I picked up as the show was airing in real time, like, you know, and, and sort of late season four and, and carried on into season five. Um, at some point and we've, we've discussed this in previous episodes when, when the show, uh, hit syndication on like, you know, the CW, uh, uh, the, uh before CW, the WB and WGN and all those stations. um, When I started watching it regularly in syndication, I was like, Oh wow. They're going back to season one. I had missed uh, the first few episodes, but this was the first one I actually caught in syndication. And then every subsequent episode became appointment viewing for me. And I had no idea this was kind of a, um, you know, famous episode at mm-hmm. the time that i watched it i just you know it just turned out that way it was you know as as luck would have it um i came in at at a pretty big turning point so yeah, yeah it's one that's been one. in my mind big one for the show and big one for me personally
0: it's one that's been in my mind for sure too like when we started that's like i'd said early on like i was not super well versed in season one but this is one i always have had on the radar that i i knew i've been waiting for and it is it's a It's a swing point, and it's kind of a turning point for multiple characters, as we'll talk about. So, And that episode is Season 1, Episode 13, Slumber Party, aired January 31st, 1991. So the final episode of January 91 has a pretty big rating, too, honestly. Because we've been living—we've rebounded a bit. We've been in the nines. This got an 11. Um, Oh, okay. And then they kind of ebb and flow from here. So I don't know if this one was as well-promoted— I actually wanted to see when the Super Bowl was that year. I don't know if like, this was like a mm, yeah. Super Bowl type thing, but I don't. they usually didn't play that late.
1: Um, no, and plus, here. I mean, with it being on Fox, um, I don't think that they didn't, early on. Yeah, they didn't, yeah Fox, Fox wouldn't have done anything to try to coincide right. with the Super Bowl, I feel like. The Super Bowl actually occurred on the 27th, so this was a few days later. Um, okay. So
0: maybe just word of mouth, whatever it was. This one pops a rating, and it was uh, well-earned. So we start off with Brenda explaining that she wants a night of female bonding. Brandon calls it a childish slumber party, kind of shits on it. In comes Jim to the kitchen for a quick mug of coffee on his way out the door. He says it's it's a you know kind of slumber party, childish thing, too. And now this is a good quick open just to set the stage for the episode ahead. We know that Brenda's having some ladies over. She views it as more of a uh, intellectual powwow and just kind of bonding versus a bunch of little girls having a sleepover and playing games. Brandon then goes to the the Blaze office. He finds Andrea, she uh, and finds out she's attending the Walsh House Women's Conference, as she calls it, so she'll be there as well. And he's kind of surprised that <laughs> she's going. Um, and then we get Kelly in the hallway talking to Brenda, saying, like, it's not a slumber party, right? It's not a slumber mm-hmm. party. And she rationalizes it, and Brandon says, look, it's just a bunch of girls hanging out and bonding and talking. And it's not a summer party. We're just gonna be hanging out and falling asleep. And Kelly wants uh, wants guys there. She says, "What if we talk for a bit and then we have <laughs> the guys over?" And Brenda's kind of like that defeats the purpose. No way. And then Kelly says, "Well, listen, I made other plans as well. I was supposed to hang out with my friend Amanda Pacer that night. Uh, can she come with me?" And Brenda says, "Fine." You know. And Kelly says, "It's definitely not a summer party, right? Because Amanda ain't gonna go for that." So, Drew, did you think they did a pretty good job setting the the story up for us, like right out of the gate here?
2: Yeah, I did, because in the first three scenes, the main focus of the conversation is the slumber party, and, okay, it's not really a slumber party, but they they, they really set up that, oh, you know, this is something. They've they referenced multiple times, like, hey, didn't you stop doing that in in uh, junior high mm-hmm. or something like that? So they, they they really set the stage for, okay, this is going to be the big main focus of the show. And I think it also did a good job of kind of once again showing – the difference between like, uh, Kelly and Donna and, you know, little old Brenda from Minnesota.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're just, yep. they're aged. We've seen it a bunch throughout this, that Ke- Kelly, especially is just a different, you know, however, they're all supposed to be 16, 17, right. She's like a different 17 than Brenda is for
2: sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Well, I, I think the timing of this episode also serves as a, a very handy, uh, sort of, counterpoint or response to that wild ass house party episode that the, <laughs> you know, the Walsh's had uh, and, and went so disastrously because it got taken over by these degenerate Beverly mm-hmm. Hills kids. So we're, we're seeing what the true version of a Walsh house party is going to look like. And it's, right. it's Brenda essentially having a, a slumber party, which is, you know, viewed as so incredibly uncool by these kids and, you sort of get the sense that that's not exclusively a a Beverly Hills thing. It's also just Mm -hmm. an older teenager thing, but Brenda's not having it. She's like, no, it's not a slumber party. It's just, you know, girls having a fun night out kind of thing. And notably uh, her parents are going to be there. Like the older Walsh's are still home. Um, you know, there's that funny moment early on where she, she got to make sure that Jim is going to be tucked away, out of sight, out of mind. But right. you know, Cindy's very much a, a part of it, as we're going to see. And um, it's it's just kind of nice to see this in a show from the early '90s, which um, has has the you know potential of being sort of too cool for school, sending that message of um, you know if, if you do things like this, then you're too childish or immature and you know Brenda is our central character here, and she, she's just waving all of that off and saying, "No, I want to hang out with my friends and have no guys around and just have a girls' night." And um, I don't know, it's just it's just very refreshing
2: to mm-hmm. see. I, I think. Sorry, really, really quick to that point, something about Brenda that we'll see throughout this episode is she she takes all of the criticism of of the slumber party and everything she takes it very well and like really yes. in stride. Yes. Which is, is kind of different from her character, but it, it's it's like a really mature, like, mm-hmm. good way. She just says, oh, well, you know, this is a slumber. It's it's not a slumber party. It's her whatever women's bonding time. And what everybody makes fun of it, and she just goes along with it and says, no, no, we're going to have a good time. Come on. It's, yeah. She it's shows a lot neat. of
0: confidence in the concept. Uh, she knows yeah. once they're there. They're going to have a good time. She's confident in that fact, so she knows she can win them over.
1: Yeah, this could have easily been a peer pressure episode and, oh, Mm -hmm. is Brenda going to succumb to the peer pressure? And they dispense with that right away. Like, Brenda's like, I'm not having it. You know, I'm doing what I'm doing and you can take it or leave it, which I think is a great message to send for this show. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, what's not a great message is creepy ass David uh, telling Scott that they're going to be the uh, they're going to this yep. thing. So we, it's a throwaway. You barely even hear what he says. It's like done. I know. Uh, Steve then shows up. He offers Brandon the night out to escape because he says, like, you're going to hang around the slumber party. Like, what are they going to do? And uh, in come Brenda and Kelly. And they kind of roast Steve. It's, they say, oh, Steve gets these days. <laughs> she thrills. So a uh, little little ball busting on Steve, but him and Brandon are gonna hit the town. So Brando can uh, not be in the house with all the uh, the ladies having their conference.
1: So we get yeah, and Brenda yeah. is basically throwing Brandon out. He he sort right. of uh, faux complains about the fact that he's he's getting kicked out of his own house for the night. But you know it's gonna get, give him and Steve the opportunity to hit the town, so to speak. And the funny thing with David and Scott is uh, once again, another very similar scene to what we saw in the, the Walsh house party episode Mm -hmm. where they just sort of casually over here because they're eavesdropping in the hallways. Oh, there's a big party going down. We've got to be a part of this. And just, you know, this is completely not the same thing, but they're still the same two horn dogs. They were in that episode and want to get in on the action. So, On brand for them.
0: Well, the summer party begins here and Kelly is still fretting about this idea as she gets there. And we find out Amanda Pacer is coming in her own car in case something better comes up. Basically, Jonathan. <laughs> that's that's made very specific and
1: clear that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she she's got a better offer waiting in the wings. She thinks yes, yeah.
0: So she wants to have her own car in case. Uh, we then cut over Brandon and Steve. They go to a swanky nightclub called Floodlights.
2: <laughs> Floodlights. Wow. Floodlights.
0: All right. They're waiting outside, uh, and Steve, basically. Um, talks to brandon they talk about the characters like is they're obviously gonna be faking their ages and how they're gonna talk to women brandon says he's gonna be a hockey player (laughs) but uh, steve Steve says no you should be uh you're a student basically in a gap year
2: taking a year off to figure out yeah Yeah, women love that he says or he says like it drives them wild or something Mm -hmm. He's, he's, he's trying
1: to find himself so he's gonna be so mysterious i guess um but yeah this this is steve um you get the impression this is this is not his first radio, Certainly, with this club outing, I, I like how they're um, kind of going back and forth over how they're going to actually get into this club. They're underage, and uh, Steve's like, "Oh, you know, the way we're dressed, it'll be no problem at all." And kind of kind of disses uh, Brandon's tie, who he says, "I got this in Canada." Which, okay, yeah. He's, <laughs> Jason Priestley, Can- noted Canadian Jason Priestley. You know, you wonder if that's well, Minnesota. It's ad- close like, to the
0: border, right? Can- close to the
1: border. They visited. Yeah. He's so very worldly, worldly, but um, yeah, uh, failing that Steve says he's going to slip the guy at 20, which right. I, I thought was a great line. This, this episode is kind of a, a quip a minute. I thought there were a lot of great quotes just throughout mm-hmm. this episode. And some of that banter between Steve and Brandon trying to get into this club was, was right up there. Well, we come
0: back to the slumber party where the girls are dancing. Uh, Andrea is dressed in like 1835 style pajamas. Like, yeah, like I, Little House on the Prairie. I, yeah.
2: I had the I had the note, so you know, obviously one of the one of our categories, one of our awards is most 90s look, and I, I had the most 1890s look <laughs> as as Andrea in her whatever nightgown <laughs> that was.
0: I don't know if it's even. Yeah, it's. It's definitely like Laura Ingalls, whatever her name is. <laughs> so, yeah. And
1: that's a <laughs> <laughs> that's a shame because I I thought she looked for Andrea. I thought she looked quite hot in the earlier scene where she informed Brandon that she was going to be spending the night at his house. She, you know, her hair was done up in a very non-Andrea way. She had that, um, I don't know. the The color of this episode seemed to be uh, tan or, or mustard brown. Um, because they all like Andrea, Kelly, and uh, the friend Amanda all have that same color scheme going right. on, very matchy matchy. But um, I thought Andre looked very good in that earlier scene. And here, yeah, she's throwing it back to Little House, which um, I feel like we're gonna get a reference to <laughs> at the very <laughs> end, also. So yes. appropriate enough. It's a, uh, it's a tough look.
0: Like they could have just let her just be in a t-shirt and like sweatpants or something. Like not saying she had to have like lingerie on to be sexy, but I mean, this is like way over the top for her. It's <laughs> a sticker on that thing. Uh, Cindy yeah. gets pulled into to dance. So they're all having a good time. They're laughing. They're going crazy. And uh, everyone seems to be enjoying themselves. Even Kelly. And in comes Amanda, uh, who is judgy right away. She's like stands in the doorway. <laughs> you can tell she looks older too. Like they definitely playing it up at like she's an older version of them. This age quicker being in Beverly Hills. She also has like jeans on, but like a pantsuit top. Like she had like a button up shirt and like a jacket on like a Um, vest mm
2: -hmm. or or something on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a weird look. Um, So Cindy's going to bed. Amanda wants nothing to do with any of this. She begs Kelly right away to leave, to go to a frat party. And Kelly says, no, she, you know, promised Brenda, she'd be here. And basically he tells Amanda, like, go, like, you don't have to stay. Like, I don't give a shit. Just go if you mm-hmm. want to go. And uh, she's dressed for the frat party, of course, with the, with the jacket on. Uh, and Amanda says, no, OK, I'll stay for a couple hours and then we're fucking out of here. So deal with it. They, they go to the kitchen. And everyone's loading up on snacks. And Amanda's oh, is yeah. judging hard. Uh, Amanda calls them all pigs and then Brenda snorts at her uh, <laughs> like basically like again owning like not giving shit yeah about, yeah like, yep. a joke. she's like fine yeah I'm a fucking pig like I'm going to town with this fucking ice cream and the old school Doritos bag and everything else that was yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: glorious is like Donna is eating like some popcorn uh, with ice cream I feel like and um, they're all sort of grossed out but she's super into it and Uh, it, it's just a, one of those, um, it, I always pop, I always pop for these types of moments in this show, like women supporting women type of scenes, uh, just because you you don't get a whole lot of that, especially Mm -hmm. in these teen dramas that always wants to pit the female characters against each other and be very competitive for the sake of, you know, having that, that melodrama here, we see a pretty united front (laughs) against this bitch, Amanda, who just super sucks and walks in trying to rain on everybody's parade. And they almost, they, they start to set up a conflict for Kelly between Mm -hmm. her loyalties. Is she going to go off with Amanda? Is she going to, you know, dump on Brenda or is she going to stick around for this party? And again, they just, they kind of stick to their guns and Kelly's like, no, I'm, I'm having fun here. Like I don't get to do this type of thing. And You know, you can fuck off and go to your frat party if you want to, but, you know, I'm pretty much in for the night. Sorry, bitch. Like, I I just, I I love that. It it just, I I was so expecting something different from the, from just the setup of this episode. Yes. And it goes in such different places.
2: Yes. And yeah, immediately Donna and Kelly, they're both all in. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's awesome. And yeah, Kelly...
0: Yeah, you can tell Loki like they wanted something like this, but because it's Beverly Hills, this is not accepted. They could never just like let loose. And I think deep down, they're foreshadowing like Amanda kind of does, too, Mm because she wouldn't be staying here if she didn't on some level want to be part of this. Right. Like she Mm would have said, well, I'm going with or without you. Like, I'm sure she's gone to frat parties without Kelly before. So it's like, you know, if she really wanted to go she'd be gone right so i think a part of her they never say it or hint at it but i think if you read between it all like a part of her wanted to wait and see and be part of it
2: there's like she's acting very shitty and
1: above it all but she's also staying there so yeah
2: yeah it's like a thirst for innocence
1: right yep
0: all right so uh the girls are having ice cream they're shitting on poor steve as usual uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> poor guy's just a punching bag
1: <laughs> easy target you know
0: <laughs> and then they then cut to poor steve who fails again uh, he can't buy his way into the club so he's basically well fuck you then we're out of here so him and brandon head back to the car and as they're starting to get ready to pull away they see a pair of hotties eyeing them uh mm. trina was uh the blonde and remember right here draw a blank, uh shelly is the brunette and they're dressed very provocatively. And at first, I, I'm going to be honest, I thought they were going to be hookers um, because the way they're dressed when right? I mean, <laughs> they walk up to the car. Uh, but they're not. So they basically are just kind of like, hey, you know, cool that you guys left. Like, that place fucking sucks. And Steve and Brandon are like, yeah, like, fuck that place. <laughs> and Trina, and then they're kind of like, what are you guys doing tonight? And Trina's like, well, you tell us, what are we doing? So they hop in the car. Trina's already horny for the car. She's like, this is awesome. I love this car. Um, mm-hmm. They hop in and all four of them are piled in the front seat uh, of the uh, Corvette here. They're all hot and heavy. Steve's driving. Trina is like on his lap as he's driving. Basically, he says she likes to stick shift,
2: play, playing with his ear.
0: Yes. As he's like speeding down the fucking Hollywood Boulevard, <laughs> wherever he is. Shelly's then hot for Brandon's hair. She's mussing through it on his lap. Uh, this is a quick escalation with these chicks um so yeah. they say why don't we go back to your place and steve says their apartment is being earthquake proofed so they can't go back <laughs> they got to stay out all night so trina says well, why don't we go to the secluded park uh behind this old school and we can hang out there so what'd you guys think of the introduction of trina and Shelley and kind of how we get to this point
2: genius and, and before as uh as steve and brandon were walking away from the bouncer steve drops a great quote uh he says, I don't believe it. That guy won't even take my money. What's the world coming to? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so they saw, they saw Tr- uh, Trina and Shelly. They kind of made eyes at them as they were, as they arrived to the club and mm-hmm. the girls were walking in and then they make reference to that later. So right away there was kind of uh, some level of attraction there or, or right. something. Um but it, too good. The scene of them all sitting in the front seat of the car together, just driving down the road, great.
1: Yeah, it, yeah. It, and I love that Steve's uh, uh, price apparently went up from twenty dollars to like fifty, sixty, and the guy still <laughs> yeah, didn't instantly. take his money. He's just <laughs> no part of it. <laughs> so he just gets rebuffed, and then uh, yeah, the the chicks approach them. They kind of reminded me of the. Um, Gary and Wyatt's love interests from Weird Science, the movie. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where they each had like, you know, the blonde and the brunette, just more sexed up, obviously. Um and and I love that Brandon is just sort of in on this uh, Steve scheme, basically, mm-hmm. which seems very unbranded, but is also welcome after a few sort of Brandon heavy episodes. It's it's nice to just right. see him along for the ride and and not pushing back on you know, whatever the plot kind of requires of, of these characters. So, well, and it's not like,
0: it's nothing like outside his uh, moral compass, right? Yeah, like exactly. they're not drinking, they're not gambling. They're not like lying. Right. They're just, they're just out. They're just say, hanging out with
2: girls. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So like, this is, this is like right in his wheelhouse. Like they're not really doing sure. anything too crazy. That would lead to him having to like lean in and say, no, like he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just going to go out with my buddy and, try and pick up some checks at the club.
1: Steve's cover story of their their apartment being earthquake proofed. <laughs> I thought was some nice uh quick thinking on his part also. Yep. Agreed. I like that uh, <laughs> I definitely <laughs> it just makes the most sense for, you know, Beverly Hills uh guys cruising the town kind of thing. Like you can there's some there's some uh, legitimacy to that lie that he's telling.
0: <laughs> so we go back to the Walsh house. Where uh, they're talking about renting a movie. Donna wants to rent Pretty Woman, and basically says like, "I want to be. I've daydreamed of quitting school and becoming a hooker, so I can then go and meet Richard." Gere. Meet Richard Gere. And yeah. Kelly's like, "Well, that's a fine plan, but you're not Julia Roberts, so, so no chance." Um, yeah. So shoots out poor Brenda, uh, poor Donna. Brenda wants to talk, but Kelly's getting bored with talking, and you can see her internal struggle, Drew, like you mentioned earlier, like kind of her old life is there. But what she wants is a new life is kind of on full display. Like she's aged quickly was a party girl, but you could tell she's like craving a normal family with a normal setup and normal friends that don't have this pressure of drinking and drugs and partying and sex and all this other stuff, right? Like she just wants to just be a kid. Uh, But you could tell it's there, but Amanda's sitting there like on her shoulder trying to bring the old Kelly out. Uh, But Kelly holds on strong. She's like still saying
2: no. So, (laughs) Yeah, got you. Oh, well just uh, again it's like you you're expecting her to start scheming up a way to get out of the slumber party or something and it just it just never comes. You just have that mm-hmm. uh Brenda is the angel on the shoulder and Amanda as the devil on the other shoulder with Kelly. And it's it's cool. Agreed. And Amanda
1: so, uh, is a another example of the show using this sort of one-off character as the heel for a single episode uh, in lieu of villainizing yes. one of the main characters. So I, I, I like her as the antagonist throughout all of this.
0: Yeah, I think that that's been some of our best episodes. Like, I don't like when we have like Steve or whoever as the heel. Like, right. I, I prefer. Mm-hmm. I prefer when they bring in the heel of the week uh, mm-hmm. to and they'll eventually set up outside of the group heels that are there consistently. Mm-hmm. But for now, I like this better than them using Steve as like the bad guy with you know within the group.
1: Yep. Yeah. Th- these disposable foils have been used to pretty good effect.
2: <clears throat>
0: and it's believable. I mean, there's a lot of kids in the school, so it's like mm-hmm. it's not yep. out of the realm that they would just run into like problem students that they're gonna have issues with.
2: Yeah, and then Perfect. they'll just kind of never see him again. Yeah, right. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: yeah. So Andrea brings out a Ouija board, uh, and Amanda's mocking her right away. But they say, "Well, if, if you're so fucking tough, step up to the plate. Let's go. We're gonna we're gonna do this." Andrea's driving the ship. Uh, she says she's gonna try and contact her grandmother. I guess it's a different grandmother than what she lives
1: with. Like, <laughs> I don't think it's the Holocaust grandmother. <laughs> uh,
0: and the grandmother spells out, "I'm here." Uh, then the lights, like, I didn't really follow this, like, all of it, but I guess lights are flashing. And mm. then they realize it's the flash from a camera because David and Scott are outside taking pictures. Right. Like, it, it's, I feel like they could have done without this because, A, it makes them look super creepy. Uh, and, yeah. B, like, they don't even try and hide it. Like, they're just <laughs> standing. Yeah. They're a giant window. Right. Like, do they think, like. We did they, did they want to get caught thinking maybe they get invited in or something? Yeah, like, are
1: they gonna right? How's this? How did this uh, play out in their in their minds? I just it's it also makes it seem like it's it's lightning flashes and like right all of a sudden it's turned into a dark and stormy night. But I guess not. It's just David and Scott with their flash photography. I, I don't know. It it's pretty goofy.
2: I think I think. Uh, what kind of makes this not work is that you only see David and Scott in the, the those two scenes, the one right. at the very beginning and this one, there's no like hijinks of them formulating a plan like that. That could, they could have like, used that to like a comedic effect or something right. where they're, you know, they're, they're laying out a map of how they're going to get there. And then like they, there, it shows them sneaking around. It just cuts to them at the window. And then they're shoot away and that's it.
1: Just yeah. stand there. I mean, <laughs> Sin,
2: even Cindy is like
1: you know, catch because she's hearing the these girls scream in the living room, and it's like, you'd think this would maybe be a bigger deal to Cindy if if not <laughs> the rest of the group. And it's just like, oh well, whatever. <laughs> <Yep>.
2: <laughs> these assholes,
1: these assholes creeping on you taking pictures. Um, it's all in good fun.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh it just felt unneeded. Like, it just adds nothing. It ends up being those two little scenes, like you said. Like, they could have done without it and been just fine. And it just makes them look creepy. Like, it, just, it wasn't needed. I know it's mm-hmm. kind of meant to be like kind of the boys sneaking into the
2: slumber. Like, it's kind of a trope, but. Sure, sure. The, this whole scene really felt like the setup to an 80s slasher movie. Like, you've got kind <laughs> of mean, the, uh... the satanic <laughs> panic thing with the Ouija board, you've got the perverts on the outside trying to get in. Uh, it could have like it could have really turned into you know they summon a spirit that starts killing people or something yeah
1: like the, like this is the jump scare before they get into the real you know meat mm-hmm. of, of of the the scary horror movie that it's gonna be yep
2: right
0: all right so uh basically Andre says the board's too powerful they're not ready for it so we'll put it away Uh, A man gets pissed. She's like, it's after midnight. And they're like, well, what happens after midnight? (laughs) You turn into a pumpkin? Like, what's the problem? And uh, she said, well, there's no point now. I'm going to the frat party because everyone's drunk and it's not going to be any fun and blah, blah, blah. So basically she's like, well, they're like, well, just go. And she's like, no, you ruined my night. I'm going to ruin yours. So she's getting vindictive now. And I don't get like why, like, what does Brenda have to prove not Mm. throwing her out? Like, send her packing it's your house like why does she feel like she's gonna stay there
2: because not even kelly's really going to bat for her i i think i think it's her trying to be inclusive and like bring a woman in to you know bring another woman in to join the fun and say like look this is fun this is good we're gonna have bonding time but at this point she's been such a bitch like yeah Mm -hmm. i would just be like all right
0: look like it's my house get out like because it's not like i could see if her goal was to impress her all along or something like like she trying to show that she can fit in with her like she didn't even know who she was so it just seems odd that she's like bending over this backwards to have her stay and be involved like i just would have been like just get out like it's my house you don't there's no reason for you to be here like go home like you weren't really invited you know, we're not friends. Like, I don't need you here, like, shitting on me and my friends. So just go. So mm-hmm. it was just odd that, like, she's like, yeah. Amanda basically says, I'm going to ruin your night. And they're like, okay. Like, it's
1: just an odd <laughs> odd way to go about it. I almost feel like this is maybe a power move by Brenda. Um, although, again, this, this episode I feel like is largely female positive and doesn't pit the women against each other there, there are little glimmers of that throughout, you know, where, where they get a bit catty. Right. And I think this is Brenda saying, okay, it's my house. Mm-hmm. These are my friends. I've got backup basically because everybody clearly wants to be here except for you. So, you know what? You're a move, bitch. Just try us like, right. And <laughs> she's, she's going to put up with it to a certain extent, but while she still feels like her friends have her back, It's like, all right, just, just try us, you know, fuck you. Like, and and at best, maybe you come around, maybe, maybe, you know, you, you soften and kind of drop your guard and become one of the girls because Kelly sure did. So we'll give you a chance. But if you're, if you're going to be a bitch and just show your, show your ass throughout this entire night, we'll put up with it to a point, but, um, you know, let's just see where it goes from here. Alright, well Amanda does say basically like
0: I'm gonna ruin your night by making you play skeletons in the closet. And Brendan Brenda uh, Brenda, uh, Brenda agrees defiantly. She's like, All right, let's go, then fuck you. like do your yes. like, It's like fine, the, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean that mm-hmm. that feels mm-hmm. like okay, now now it's a game of chicken at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. And Kelly it's says, It sounds like they friends.
1: wanna be doing truth or dare, but we're not gonna be doing any dares because right. nobody cares about that in a show like this <laughs> right yeah basically <laughs> it's, just <laughs> truth. it's just truth or truth yeah <laughs> they have to call it
0: something else all right well kelly agrees to go first but first we cut over to steve and brandon and uh shelly and trina they're in the abandoned parking lot they all start making out in the car and it, like, they're not even six seconds to making out and trina's like i want to drive the car right now and steve's like right now <laughs> like can we wait a few minutes she's like, no right now <laughs> And he's like, "All right, fine." He makes everyone get out, and uh, so Steve, Brandon, and Shelly all line up. And Trina, fakes being a novice, she goes around the parking lot, kind of fucking up with the the shift. And Steve's basically like, "She's gonna leave my transmission on the ground," you know, like basically fucking up the whole car. Uh, but then she pulls back up to them and says, "Let's go." Shelly runs and hops in, and Steve and Brandon just stand there like mouth open, and they just take off. And Steve panics, but basically says, like, they're coming back. Like, look, they're just going for a ride. They'll be back. And Brandon's like, yeah, fucking coming back. Um, <laughs> so this is a pretty, I think, a pretty classic scene. Let's, let's, let's yeah. wrap the whole thing here. And then you guys can give me your thoughts on the whole thing. So they wait a while, uh, but, but the girls never come back. Steve's holding out hope he's like you know the sparks were real Brandon they can't we can't fake this kind of stuff like they were so into us and Brandon says like look buddy he's like you've been scammed man I'm going to the police station and he starts to walk off and Steve's like I'm not going I'm waiting here for them uh, so Brandon comes back and Steve has a breakdown he's like you know how are my parents gonna react what if people in school here find out about this he makes Brandon promise like not to say anything to anyone that he was stupid enough to let these girls take his car and Brandon gives the old scouts honor and Steve just kind of laughs and he's like, nobody's ever given me a Scout's Honor before. And Brandon says, well, basically, only good scouts get to do Scout's Honor. Like, basically says, Steve, you're an asshole. And that's why you don't ever, you know, get the Scout's <laughs> Honor. Yeah. <laughs> and Steve kind of says, like, you know, maybe I'll do that. So we have multiple turning points here for people in this episode. But, and just like Kelly's been showing signs of her wanting to change and be more down to earth, you can feel that here from Steve too. Like he knows he's been an asshole that he lives kind of a shit life as a shit bag. A lot of the time, not a shit life; He likes his life, but he's kind of a shit bag. And like, you could tell deep down, he's like kind of into Brandon because he wants to be like a good person like him and that he can be that when he's with Brandon. And you can see like, he wants to change. You could feel it in that scene. So like Kelly earlier, I think we get that from Steve here too, that it's seeping through that, you know, he, feels bad he's just like no one trusts him he's a fuck up that's because part of it is he's a jerk and he wants to just be a scout like brandon
2: this 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 is his best scene so far in the show i mean like as an actor i think uh ian zering did awesome with it uh i i really like whenever steve gets serious and and this like you he mentions his dad which is a huge uh element of steve's psyche Mm -hmm. throughout the show um just just his constant struggle to try to please his dad and not only that but to please this the the community that he's in so it's like man you can't tell uh, anybody at school you know what happens if people at school find this out like you Mm -hmm. you start to see this developing depth that steve has uh, and he becomes instantly a more complex character going forward. And, and you see this internal struggle where, you know, he, he wants to be good. Like he, he's, it's almost like he's kind of hit rock bottom, you know, like his going forward. So what's that going to mean? It's, it's a great, great scene. And then Brandon, (laughs) Brandon kind of is mean to him. Like he, he, you know, he says like, they Mm -hmm. scammed us. I'm going to the police. Are you coming with me? Like, he's always got to, Get really confrontational. At he some escalates point.
0: real quickly. all <laughs> <Yo>. real quick.
2: <laughs> um, but but he calms down, you know. But it's it, it's a great great scene and a, a really huge one for Steve.
1: Uh, yeah, well said for sure. I, I I thought this was an incredibly strong Steve scene. Um, Ian Ziering really continues to impress me in this first season. These early goings with uh, the character, um, and I I enjoyed that this turned into what seemed what started as a, a very uh hijinks oriented like Steve B plot that you thought was right. just gonna be very disposable, kind of gets real and mm-hmm. and turns into a story about uh Steve's desire for acceptance and inclusion. And like Drew pointed out, it really kind of parallels uh what we're dealing with in the A plot here with uh, Kelly and some of what, what she's going through mm-hmm. um, and, and the conflict that she's presented with in the slumber party versus the very even keeled um, on the level, you know, Walsh friend basically. So right. good stuff here where, you know, Steve is, is wanting to be uh, much like Kelly wanting to be desired. uh for himself, for, for his personality, for who he is rather than simply what he has to offer. And that just immediately gets thrown in his face by, by this chick taken off in his car, like, like, which is the most material possession of all, um, things we see in this episode. Right. You know, he, he just gets straight up conned and it's like, you you actually end up feeling for this dude, um, and, and especially with the, the mentions of uh, Rush Sanders, who is a character we're not even going to see until, like, what, the fourth or fifth season of this show? Um, so, yeah, that, that's a pretty big um, call-out, I guess you could say.
0: As I go through this, too, I realized I would not fit in this world because I don't think I've ever played Skeletons in the Closet. Uh, no. I've also, I don't think I've ever done a Ouija board. Oh, okay. are,
1: I've Taurus done, kitchen. oh, I've fully, I had, <laughs> look, I had the Ouija board as, as uh, one of my, maybe not the most 90s moment, but as a 90s moment, because I, um, Ouija boards, I feel like had a weird resurgence in the early mm-hmm. 90s, and I definitely had one, and they were just mass produced and sold by, you know, Milton Bradley or whatever, so okay. how occult are we really, talking with this stuff, but, um, I, I was way into it. Yeah. I, I totally Did related it work? to that. Do
0: you ever feel like it works
1: at the time. Yes. Very much. Very much. So, um, you get two people and yeah, you, some weird shit, but, um, apparently it, it's, I don't know. It's a whole kind of psychosomatic thing where even if you don't think that you're moving it, you really are. It's yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole science behind it. So, uh, I, I was into the Ouija board seat, honestly. I I, I thought that was quite charming. And, um, you know, uh, a bit dated today, but relatable for the time period.
0: I've also never driven a stick shift. <laughs> Whoa.
1: <laughs> okay. I not really? Nope. Wow. I, I haven't often driven a stick shift well, but um, <laughs> I have had the experience.
0: Yeah, no, my um, first car was an automatic, and that was it. Just yeah. Never... I, I
1: learned at the old uh, manual Honda Civic. Huh? Nope. Nope.
2: I learned on a stick shift. Yeah. And, uh, probably yeah. a good experience to, yeah. Right. it's well, yeah.
0: probably something I should know how to do, but all right, well, we'll continue on. Uh, so we have Kelly in the hot seat. We found out her middle name is Marlene as Brenda eases mm. it with some softball questions. <laughs> Andrea asks, steps it up. She said, what's your first sexual experience? And she says, Steve, uh, he pestered me constantly about it. And then we finally did it in my bedroom after school while his mom was being interviewed by entertainment tonight. They interviewed Steve after and he had a big grin on his face after what just happened. So it's quite the tale here. She's all kind of remembering it fondly. She's all smiles, even though they all shit on Steve usually. Um, she doesn't seem too broken up about it. But then Amanda raises the bar and she says, no, tell everyone about your real first time. And Kelly's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Actually, like, tell everyone about Ross Weber." So Kelly gives in. She says, This godly football stud, Ross Weber. Uh, Amanda says it was before the nose job, B- BNJ, she calls it.
1: Uh, before yeah, the nice callback there. To the pilot, really. Right.
0: So Kelly says, Basically, she spent her whole, I think she was a freshman the whole year trying to get close to him. And one night they were all at a party. They all got drunk. They went out to Mulholland. Ross took her in the woods and said he wanted to have sex. And kept telling kelly like i know you want it i know you want it and kelly gave in they went uh, right there on the ground basically it was quick and no blanket basically at all and bad experience ross drove her home and never talked to her again and kelly's crying and it's a very intense scene that hangs in the air for a moment it makes the party very real it also makes amanda seem like a wicked bitch because she knew the story right as a friend and made kelly tell it in front of everyone I did remember this differently in my mind, and not to say Me this too. is a form of rape, but I remembered mm-hmm. it as her being like actually fully on sexually assaulted. And again,
1: yes. this is obviously Same. a version
0: of sexual assault, not justified in any way. But the way she tells it made it more like she was a willing participant. Whereas right. I, in my mind, I remembered it being more that
1: she was like attacked and like yeah,
2: helped. it was it was like more aggressive, right? Right. That's that's what mm-hmm. I'm remembering too. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah, um, that's interesting. I I had a total similar like Mandela effect experience with this. I, you know, I I haven't seen this episode in, I mean, easily 20 years. And the first time I watched it, I, whatever age I was, very young, um, very much recalled it as being her recounting Mm -hmm. a a sexual assault, Um, just from, from the way that she tells it and how emotional she gets. Uh, the performance by Jenny Garth and the reality is it's, it's a bit more nuanced than that. It's a bit more complicated. Um, I don't know that I would even rule out this, this being maybe a, a sexual assault and just the way that she tells it is kind of right. softening it a little bit in her.
0: Oh, it you know, clearly is. Semi- it is. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: I was yeah. forced, and, but she does make it seem like I gave in. Right. She, she makes a point to say like, you know, he drove me to the secluded spot. All he wanted to do was have sex. And she, she even says I wanted, and I wanted to, but then she goes on to, to describe this extremely unpleasant experience where it it wasn't exactly non-consensual, but it was far from romantic. And At some point, maybe this turned into something she didn't want, and she doesn't really get into that aspect of it, but it's maybe sort of unspoken. And um, the way that she emphasizes, you know, he didn't even bring a blanket, um, that's what it kind of leaves you hanging on. Um, And it's just, it's a very impactful statement for such a kind of simple um, inconsiderate oversight, right. Mm -hmm. That makes you, makes you go, there's, there's really probably more to this. Um, and I, it just kind of made me respect this episode and the writing and the show so much for not, um, turning this into a very overt, oh, he raped me kind of thing, but uh, kind of, I think, a, a more realistic portrayal of what a lot of people's, mm-hmm. a, a lot of women's formative sexual experiences really are, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So it, in some ways, it, while it was not what I remembered exactly, it was in some ways more powerful. And holy shit, Jenny Garth here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Great. I, I think a lot of people rightly remember this as a breakout... Moment yes. for her as a character and as a performer, I would argue probably the Jackie episode mm-hmm. was, you know, maybe earlier in, in that, um, you know, timeline, but, right. um, still this, this is an incredibly, incredibly strong stuff from the show and the character and the writing and the actress all just, wow, um, really blew me away and you know kind of kelly stealing the show here being in the hot seat first up um who can really follow this right um you almost wish they had maybe saved this for a little bit later in the episode but i i see why i see why they 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 presented it the way that
2: they did right yeah th- th- this was great i mean th- this it mirrors you know like like we talked about this mirrors steven's uh experience mm-hmm. but th- this scene informs essentially like almost every relationship that kelly has so many interactions right. with men that she has going forward and uh, uh i mean jenny garth was this is pretty i mean it it was you're totally transfixed on the scene and like Tim mentioned the nuance of this where if you listen to the words of what she's saying mm-hmm. it it could lead you you know if you were just reading a script or something it could lead you to believe maybe something different happened but right. the tone in her voice the way she's crying the gravity that it's given it, it really implies that there's something else going on um yep. and that that's that's really really impressive for like, a you know, a, a nighttime soap opera, essentially.
0: And it gives you more insight as to why she's, uh, you know, escalated her teenage years the way they yeah, have. Like, she's exactly. got repressed memories, like this first sexual experience. And then her mom is a drunk and a drug addict that she's had to take care of. So you can see why she's acted out the way yeah. she has and growing up the way she has. It is craving to be more, you know, down to earth.
2: Yeah, and that's so, that's, that's so realistic and and right. informed and accurate, you know? It's mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. She missed out on this age, right? <laughs> of like right. whatever, thirteen
0: right. to sixteen, right? It's like that's what she's missing, and she's trying to get it back. You know, so I guess she just spent it it a lot of those
1: earlier Yeah, it it reframes a lot of those earlier scenes, especially mm-hmm. where she's having uh those conversations with Brenda about sex and kind of her attitudes and how she feels about it and, and how Kelly seems so much more worldly. Um, it's not just that, well, she's more experienced. She's, right. she's this kind of party girl character. It's that um, it's all kind of flowing through this experience, which mm-hmm. we didn't know about at the time. And now it, it just sort of, presents all of that that earlier material in a much different light. Uh, So this this is a huge scene, really. All right, well, we cut from
0: there to go to Steve and Brandon at the police station. The policeman trolls them basically about what went down. He's like, so you gave him the keys. (laughs) They got the car, you know, so he's walking through and he says, there's nothing we can do. It's car borrowing, not stealing. Uh, And until 48 hours not returned, we can't help you. It's, It's not stolen until that point. So they're SOL, Steve's melting down. And he basically realized he fucked up, gave these chicks the keys, and they took off. Uh, we go back to the Walsh house where Andrea is now in the hot seat. And the first thing a man her is, why do you pronounce your name Andrea instead of Andrea? <laughs> Hysterical. <laughs> and she basically says, I want to be different. You know, like, why is mm-hmm. it a big deal? There's a lot of Andreas out there, and I want to be, I want to stand out. It, but Kelly gets a dig in, and this actually annoyed me a little bit, and I, I guess part of it was her lashing out maybe without realizing it. but like she just went through this and now she's shitting on oh, poor Andrea uh, right as far as right. she goes, well, it is pretentious to call yourself Andrea that, said
1: Andrea. that's why I must think like maybe Andrea should have been up first. Uh, maybe we <clears throat> build up to the the big Kelly reveal, but I don't know um, it it it's not it doesn't sink the scene by any means but yeah I, I i thought it was a little bit off to have kelly shitting on andrea in this yeah thing. i guess i just took it more as like
0: she um was la- not lashing out but that she was just angry right and just being a bitch mm-hmm. yeah
1: there. she's very emotionally charged after probably what she's <laughs> she's just bared her soul and it's like Okay, the next person up is why do, why do you call yourself Andrea? Are you kidding me? Like <laughs> I just <Right. laughs> confessed like this <laughs> awful story and this is you know we're, we're still playing <laughs> pick up sticks here. <laughs> like come on. Well,
0: it does escalate pretty quickly. So Amanda basically says are you a virgin? And she admits mm-hmm. it. Like she doesn't hide it. Yes, I've not, you know, I've not. Well, first she tries to be like this personal, I'm not going to answer that. And then she's like "Yeah." Again, Kelly just
1: described right. in so many details a Sexual assault. Well, it's like
0: Audrey's panicking. I don't think she realized all of a sudden what she was walking into, and now here she is. So Kelly says, if you could sleep with anyone in school, who would it be? And she kind of stammers and she says, Hans Flechman. Um, <laughs> um and they say, Are you serious? Like, not Brandon? And she's like, No, not Brandon. We're just friends. I told you we're just friends. And like nobody believes her. And Vanda says, like, look. I see you puppy dogging with Brandon, like hanging on every word he says in the hallway. The whole school knows you're in love with Brandon, and Kelly again goes in on her and is like, yeah. "Yep, it's true. We all know you love Brandon." And Andrea admits it. So a tough night for poor Andrea, who looks just like really shook. And she's like, "Yeah, fine. That's Brandon. I want to bang Brandon."
1: <laughs> uh, I was shocked. I was shocked mm-hmm. that she re- she confessed that she revealed this because I I didn't remember that at all. Um, and for the characters to see what we see as the viewers was also quite rewarding. Um, even though they're being, you know, a bit catty here, but I mean, that's, (laughs) I guess that's skeletons in the closet. That's how the game is played. (laughs) Um, but to call, to directly call her out in that way. And, you know, they press her, which I, uh, I think is maybe a bit unkind, but she, she does relent and, and says it. And it's like, wow. Um, I just – I don't remember that being so overt again here from my original viewing of this episode.
2: I I didn't know that we ever got her outright admitting that she loved Brandon. I I, I didn't remember that ever happening, but yeah. Nope. I know there's things that happen in the future, but I, I didn't remember that specifically. Yeah.
0: All right. So that's out, out of the bag. Uh, we go back to the police station. Brandon's about to call Cindy because Steve says, I can't call my mom. She'll hit me if I call her. Um, <laughs> but the cop comes in and says, hey, we found two chicks. Uh, is your license plate? I ate I a Ferrari. Uh, Steve <laughs> says yes. And they find out that they caught them driving, uh, speeding, basically, and and that the car wasn't there. So they're coming in. And Steve's all relieved because the night's been saved. He doesn't have to call his mom or Cindy. We cut back to the Walsh House where Donna's in the hot seat now and has nothing to say. Basically, she's like, "I've never done anything wrong." Um, Typical Amanda, Donna. Yeah, I mean Amanda calls her like a boring zero, and uh, mm. Donna's like, "Well, you know, whatever. I, just, I haven't done anything." And Brenda st- defends her. Brenda steps up again, and gets in Andrea's face, and yep. says, "Look, it's okay, Donna. Like not to have done anything wrong." And uh, Donna is kind of our finishes our trifecta of growth, like we've had Kelly so far we've had Steve and now we have Donna like this is the first time we've had more than like a line of dialogue from her where she feels like she's more part of the group uh, Mm -hmm. than just like a tag along to Kelly and she's actually going to be a character going forward versus just like kind of a half character Uh, so again I thought this is like another big step in this evolution of these non-Walsh characters on the show
1: and at the same time it does feel like A bit of a commentary on the character where even who you know i went back and looked who actually wrote this episode because i was so impressed by it um it was a darren star special who did also did the uh the jackie taylor episode so props for uh d star here um Again, kind of saying, like, we don't really know who this character is yet. We haven't figured her out. She's kind of a nothing. Um, and we're going to acknowledge that within the universe of the show. Here it is. Um, and that will change going forward. But we're going to go ahead and just put it out there on the table. Uh, just like the, the, this is a very cards on the table type of episode. Yeah. So i I loved it for that.
0: So we go back to the police station. Tina, uh, Trina and Shelly get dragged in and they're pretending they came back. Like, we went back for you. You guys were gone. Uh, they're putting on the act for sure here. Like, we just got lost. We didn't know where we were. We were worried. You were waiting for us. Brandon ain't having any of it. Uh, but they're turning on the charm and Steve falls for it again. Uh, <laughs> Brandon's onto it. But then Steve makes his face like I thought he was going to troll yes. them back. Yes. But he doesn't. It's like, he right. basically says, like, all right, yeah, Trina, you're going to make it up to me. Uh, and he says, we'll let you go. And the cop lets him go. But no, not really, because she has a warrant for an outstanding parking ticket. <laughs> so he can't just let him go. Uh, he shows $150. And Trina says, I'm broke. So Steve says, Do you take visa? Uh, just what a fucking mark. Just get played again.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I thought yeah. this was interesting that I really thought they were going to play it up like Steve the Scout is onto it now. And is going to change his ways, and he 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 gives that look like trust me, but then he just falls right back for it again. So it was it was weird.
2: Yeah, I, I felt the same way. I thought we were going to get like this little mini Steve redemption story right. where you know what he he's he's going to get him back, but uh, yeah, I, I felt the same way. It was it was played really strangely. Mm. Okay, well, I I read
1: this as. Steve taking it as they they've got the car back. They've they've got the perpetrators. He's thinking, oh, the ball's in my court now. Like, am I going to press charges or am I not? You know, he's going to toy with them a little bit. And then that's taken away from him, snatched mm-hmm. right back by the police, who says, well, it really doesn't matter because we've got <laughs> these outstanding warrants. Right. So whatever ideas, whatever plans he had, were are just immediately dashed. And now he is once again, um the one getting played and it's like, well, what can I really do? Like, uh, okay. Yeah. I guess I'll pay your outstanding, <laughs> you know, warrant your, your tickets, whatever. Um, it, it's like, he's, he's trying to save face, but he knows right. that he's been had a second right. time and, it, you know, he can't really lose his composure and walk away. Cause it's like one minute ago he, he thought, um, everything was really in his favor and now mm-hmm. he's like fuck <laughs> they, they got over on me again so he, he's just trying to trying to keep it cool
0: well also trying to keep cool is brendan the hot seat back at the Walsh house and just a whole lot of wholesome nonsense talks about whatever they went skinny dipping one time like whatever the fuck it yeah. is just and Minnesota, amanda's like yeah. oh god like come on uh, so Brenda basically calls her a bitch. She's like, shut up. Um, and, and says, <laughs> it's amazing. I stop being such a con. Uh, Brenda then tells a story about her friend, Marjorie Miller in Minneapolis. And, uh, one night she kissed her boyfriend and Marjorie heard about it. They had a big fight and Marjorie said, Brenda, why did you do it? And Brenda admits that, uh, you know, she did it to break them up because yep. she wanted to be with the boyfriend. Brenda said they were never friends again, as much as close as they were before, and that leads to Kelly making a revelation that after Brenda started dating Dylan, she tried to make a move on him because mm. Dylan had been flirting with her for a year before Brenda even moved there. And Brenda immediately fucking loses it after staying cool all night. She's like, "What the <laughs> fuck? Like, I can't believe you did that." And Kelly says, Kelly just like unloads as well and says that Brenda's become unbearable um since dating Dylan like just this awful stuck up side of her Mm. and Brenda says I'm stuck up like you and Donna well Donna says Brenda's stuck up and Brenda says I'm stuck up like you guys are fucking stuck up uh (laughs) and then Andrea snaps she says I came here tonight to make new friends and to get closer and all you ever want to do is gossip and they all decide to start to leave uh but before they do Brenda says well wait a minute Amanda, you were never in the circle uh, as part of the game. And Amanda stammers and she's like, no, no, well, whatever. The game's over. I'm out of here. And, you know, Brenda says, well, listen, Kelly, you were brave to tell us about Ross. We're glad you did. And Kelly says, I'm actually glad you're not perfect, Brenda, uh, that you have a dark side as well. And they make up. And then in one of the most heavy handed foreshadowing moments and whether they meant it or not, Kelly says, I will never try and steal Dylan from you. Um, oh at God. all. <laughs> and like we'll never let you know a guy come between us, whatever. So just like a major yeah. hang in the air. Okay. Um, I mean, Again, I'm assuming they had in mind eventually to maybe have Kelly get yeah, in the I mean, way of this, right? They, maybe they not to. maybe not the way it does happen. Maybe their plan was that she'd be a heel and steal like whatever the reasoning is they had planned it's clear there's something there because they make a clear point twice for Brenda to say, like, you know, I've had this happen before and I would never do it again type of thing. And then Kelly saying, I would never try and steal Dylan from you. So,
1: yeah. Well, to have the discipline, if in fact, you know, that's true to have the discipline to set it up and then not pay that off until like another two years, basically. Um, it, I, I guess about a year. Um, well, season three is incredible. Yeah. Well, I guess technically they get together at the start of season three. Right. Um, season two is the beach. Yeah. Is so it the beach? They go to Paris? End of season. Yeah. Beginning of season three is the Paris stuff. Right. Um, so they get
0: together pretty much right away. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But but that whole season two is all very Dylan Brenda, as I recall, um, right, that's
0: beach club summer season.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is a ways off if they, if they are truly seeding that, um, again, just something else I had no recollection of right. playing any part in, in this episode, like even, even Kelly's admission that, you know, I've, I've always liked Dylan,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, seems very consistent with subsequent Revelations and um, developments. So yeah, big stuff here, and I, I love the unraveling how they all kind of start to turn on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it also gives kind of a rationale for why Brenda is being so cavalier um, right. and and host party like they think it's because you know she's gotten so stuck up her own ass. Mm-hmm. Bit of truth to that. And I also felt very bad for Andre here, who genuinely right. just wanted to have a nice night with. She doesn't have a lot of girlfriends at all, so this she is doesn't like have. She doesn't really have this, yeah. And it's it's kind of blown up in her face. Um, but then they immediately like all just turn it around on on this bitch Amanda, who is like been such such the uh, um, perpetrator. Mm-hmm. In, well, she's stewing, and they all like apologize. Yeah. About Needling, needling them throughout this entire episode is just like fuck her Like they just throw her on the fire, basically. Right. Yeah, like, <laughs> and uh, turns into a bonding her. experience. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like we're so, just gonna hug, hug it out. Well, they mean it, mean it. Like we just get angry, whatever. Fuck off. Yeah, burn
1: her at the stake, not us, uh, not each other. You know. So, yeah, they they turn on her, but kind of well deserved. Um and. Uh, we'll we'll see how things end up but i i I just liked the just the range of of emotions we went through in this very quick scene
2: and you know what kind of at the end of this you you get the feeling that Andrea really has become one of the group now yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah so they're all apologizing amanda stews and leaves uh but Donna they realize that. Amanda forgot her purse. And Donna goes, we should throw it at her. <laughs> <So> she goes <laughs> to get the purse um, and drops it. And a ton of pills come flying out of it. A, a
2: comedic out. Yes.
0: amount of pills. Come yes. Out of this. <laughs> sure. And I mean, was the cover not on? Like, I, they all fell out pretty easily. Um, so Amanda returns to get her purse. She realized she forgot it. And we find out that they're diet pills. And Kelly grills her immediately. She's like, are you eating? My mom used to use these and she's all fucked up as a result. And Amanda admits it. The diet pills, she has a problem. She was fat uh, before and not pretty. She had went on a a hardcore diet and got back on track and she swore she would never be fat again. And these pills are basically what keep her there. And Kelly basically says like, you're being a fucking bitch on these pills and (laughs) this isn't how you used to be. And Amanda breaks down. She says like, you know, it's not easy. Like you're hot. Like some of us have to work to be as hot as you are basically. And Mm. these pills are her way to do it. And Kelly says, you need to forget the pills and be yourself, like relax, enjoy your life. Stop starving yourself, taking these pills and being fucking miserable. Uh, Amanda starts to leave, but Brenda begs her to stay so they can help her. And Amanda, again, kind of like we talked about, has that finally admit that yes, she does want to be part of this. And she says, Tells Donna to bring her the cookies and wants to pig out. And she's all smiles now and was gonna relax. So um she kind of lets the guard down and feels like she's been wanting to do it all night and finally got the ability to do so by coming clean on her issues.
1: A little bit of an easy and pat resolution here, but I also think I it's necessary. So. Yeah, but also sort of necessary because I think it's so rare that we see things like this because yeah you know there is so much pressure especially in the early 90s so much pressure on young girls to mm-hmm. to be thin at all costs and not eat and i, I don't know the the conversation that they have um I, I thought there were kind of some unintentionally funny lines but were probably also pretty relatable to you know young teenage I, i've never been a young teenage girl but i'm just guessing In 1991, there's some girls who went through this and were feeling Mm -hmm. this way, Um, even if they weren't choking down, you know, diet pills, especially when it's effectively speed in the early 90s, like the Fin Fin or whatever type stuff that just makes your heart explode. Um, Like, I kind of think that needed to be a message to be put out into the world, especially from a show like this. And (laughs) hearing that it popped a pretty big rating makes me feel all the better for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there, there were some good lines throughout this, this whole exchange, um, even with it being eh, a bit contrived as the sort of climax to the whole um, Amanda issue of this episode.
2: It, it was such a heavy episode too, that I think it was nice to have like kind of a happy ending that was wrapped up really
0: Mm-hmm. quickly mm-hmm.
2: kind of send the people home happy
1: right
0: right yeah i just wonder if there could have been one more it is that her becoming happy happens quick yeah but i guess maybe mm-hmm. she was on the verge like i mean that's the vibe you get like she didn't need much of a nudge because she was already there she just needed someone to embrace her right and and bring mm-hmm. it in that maybe that's why she found herself hanging around this this house as long as she did it on this night
1: I mean, alternatively, I guess they could have just had her storm out and be like, fuck you guys, um, you don't get it and it, and just have the message be, well, you really can't save everyone, but oh well, you know, tough shit, we've got each other. Um, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world, but um, I, I, I'm fine with, with all the the girls basically coming together and being like, you know what, let's junk out, fuck guys, fuck being fat, fuck everything, let's have a fun night, you know? <laughs>
0: Uh, All right, so we go back outside the police station. Trina gives Steve her number, says she can hang out tomorrow. And as she walks away, Steve looks at the paper that she wrote it on, and it's a coupon for a manicure at Trina's (laughs) nail shop. So Trina apparently is a uh, esthetician (laughs) or whatever, uh, and is going to give a manicure to Steve if he wants one. And Brandon says, face it, buddy, we got scammed. But you know what? We had a blast and it's better than the summer party. So they kind of all smiles at the end saying, Hey, you live, you learn. And we had a good time doing it.
2: And he gives it to Brandon and says, Hey, give this to Brenda or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Maybe yeah.
1: I guess it's kind of nice to see Steve just take this in stride again, knowing pretty much he's getting played, but keeping mm-hmm. his cool and just going along with it. He got his car back. So yeah. the night has basically been salvaged.
0: Yeah, he lost 150 bucks basically on the on the uh the parole. (laughs) So I thought that was about it to pay off the ticket. Um,
2: And he keeps his reputation overall, you know. Yes, yes. Which is like cares about, really exactly.
0: And Brandon says it like they have they have a story, right? Sometimes those are the nights you just look back on and say, yeah, it was a shit show, but at the end of the day, it's a story that we could tell Mm -hmm. ten years. Totally. You know. Um. All right, so they're done. Brandon returns home and the girls are all passed down the living room, but Brenda wakes up, she hears them and Brandon says, most guys would die to be in this room right now. <laughs> um, and they recap the night of what happened. And then he walks away and the girls all giggle and say, good night, John boy, which is the little house of the prey reference. <laughs> or today, the the earlier.
2: Waltons, right?
1: Oh, the Waltons. The right. wa- I was going to say, was that Waltons or little house? Yeah, I can not remember. John boy. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So, John Boy heads off to bed and we wrap
0: up the night. And, I, you know, I th- again, a great episode, uh, more problem of the week type stuff. You know, we hit the topics uh, on the diet pills and the uh, sexual assaults and everything else. But it was a big step up for Donna, for Steve, for Kelly, all wanting to show signs of growth. Also, we had the big foreshadowing from Brenda and Kelly uh, with the Amanda reckoning. Again, I thought it happened a little fast. It could use a little more earning, but they only had so much time to do it. So it's fine. But this is really, like we said, like a pretty iconic, memorable episode.
1: Um, I absolutely loved it. I, I love this episode so much. Um, I, I think this should be required viewing in public schools. Um, <laughs> just in family life or whatever just play this fucking episode just i think it's something that people that age just need to see there's probably been better examples of this done over the years and more contemporary shows that i wouldn't know anything about because um i'm an aged homosexual but that doesn't matter um i just i think this episode was great and should be seen by by all people um, much much better than even my memory which was Uh, Quite strong in holding this episode and in very high esteem. Uh, Yeah, it's 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 a big one for sure uh, for this series. So I I see myself going very high on our episode grades. All
0: right. Let's get into our awards then. Uh, Drew, what did you have for your best scene?
2: Best scene? I chose uh, Steve and Brandon uh, after as the car gets stolen and Steve getting serious. Yeah, that's what I had to do Trina and Shelly stealing the car.
1: Uh, I went with Kelly's confession and breakdown after she was pressed on what her real first time, so to speak, was like uh, just really impactful stuff there. All right. Most important scene. I, that's where I went with. I went with this. I, I kind
0: of okay. it's a little cheap. I went with skeletons in the closet. It's, it's kind of all one big scene. But for when the minute Kelly gets in that hot seat through Brenda, Telling her story, like that's all the most super important stuff in this whole episode.
1: I yeah, well, I, I went with um, again most important to me. Also, tends to mean most uh, biggest foreshadowing, and and that was Kelly admitting to Brenda that she tried to get with Dylan right after they started dating, and that she had been into Dylan for a long time. He'd been flirting with her, and mm-hmm. just how jealous she felt. I I thought that was huge.
2: All
0: right. Most 90s look. Uh, I wore Brandon's tan vest over the green shirt in the beginning. And then yes. uh, Trina's outfit as yep. well. The garter belt with the bra and the jacket like that. That felt very 90s to me. A little ahead of her time, too. Like that felt more mid 90s, honestly. But um, yeah,
2: I think uh, I think Amanda had a pretty good one, too. I think I think that was her trying to look like a 90s college girl. Right. Yes. The jacket with with the, with the suit jacket up. thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I had Amanda, who kind of combines a lot of looks that we've seen from our main characters in this show, mm-hmm. um, into a, just a super nineteen ninety one package.
2: And the red hair too. Red hair very big in the nineties. Yes. Mm-hmm. A lot of right. Jerry Seinfeld love interests uh, had red <laughs> hair. All
0: right, most nineties. Uh, I had a few skeletons in the closets. Ouija board and
2: the old Doritos bag really jumped out. Was a very <laughs> <90s>? <laughs> yeah, the junk the junk food pig out scene was mine.
1: I uh, I went with the Ouija board. Um, again, probably more of a personal um <laughs> remembrance, but I just I think of that as being a big early '90s thing. Like, I mean, it was later in the '90s for me, but you know, 1991 close enough.
2: David and Scott snooping around, too. It's uh, pretty 90s. Mm.
1: Yes,
0: yes. Yeah, true. All right, best lesson learned. I went with uh, always be ready if you're going to play skeletons <laughs> in the Closet. <laughs> no, no way. <laughs> they all were shell shocks playing that game.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know that there's really a, a lesson, so to speak, in this episode, other than um, don't be such a stuck up asshole like actually be willing to try new things and new experiences even if you think it might be lame um for the purposes of you know just inclusion just uh, try to try to make friends with new and different people
2: i think you could say uh people's behavior is informed by their past
1: yep mm, yep All right, best hookup,
0: I give this one to Brandon and Shelly because Shelly, to me, was a little less of the perpetrator in the whole car scheme, and Uh they kind of had a little bit of a hotter hookup with the mussing of the hair and the sitting on the lap, and then they make out while Trina's trying to convince him to drive the car, so Mm -hmm. I thought Brando
2: made out a little bit better on this night. I think so. They were really gazing into each other's eyes, too, Mm -hmm. in that front seat. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think if you had to
0: ask... Shelly, she might've chosen
2: him over her tree
0: Like I, th- I think, sure. she, I think she had to think about it. I'll give her that. I'll, I'll say that much. I think, I think she at least thought about it before she got in that
1: car. They definitely had a full on make out in ways that Steve mm-hmm. and, um, the other one <laughs> did not. So, yeah, I'll go with that. All right. Best quotes. I get a few, uh, you look, you're going to
0: make us all look like pigs. Kelly. You said it. I didn't. <laughs> it was Amanda. Mm-hmm. Uh, Things like this don't happen to good scouts. That was Brandon to Steve. Uh, BNG, BNJ before nose job. That was Amanda to Kelly. Uh, call your mom, at least she won't hit me. That was Steve. Uh, Steve saying, do you take Visa? Was one of my favorite lines of the whole episode. And then uh,
1: goodnight, John Boy from everyone, all the girls. Yeah, th- those are all great. Um, I had I had those plus uh, just a few gems from Amanda. Um <laughs> One being, why does everyone call you Andrea? Are you British or something? (laughs) Uh, And then the the tour de force, the immortal. um, I used to be fat. Now I'm thin. Now I'm a bitch.
2: Bye. (laughs) Uh, I had another Amanda one. Uh, I'm not going to parade around in some strange girl's nightgown. (laughs) because <laughs> uh, brenda said yeah. hey we, i've got extra uh, nightgowns right. or something yeah. if you need she also at one point called them all uh d- i think she called them dupes yes did it, uh, mm. she said i had a lot of little good ones but you're all um, a bunch of dupes yeah <laughs> dupes. all right final grade drew Dubs. what do you get out of 10 uh, i got an eight and a half out of 10 10 um i'm mm. oh, sorry Drew. Go ahead. oh yeah no i mean it it, it was enjoyable both the a plot and the b plot were both really good there was both like character progression in both of them and you had really big step forwards for i mean my two favorite characters steve and kelly Mm -hmm. andrea too and donna um and it's iconic a lot of iconic stuff
1: yeah um listen i i'm going nine out of ten Uh, I think it's right up there with the best episodes we've seen from this very surprising season one. Um, The only thing that honestly holds it back from a 10 is doesn't, again, as other very strong but otherwise lacking episodes do, doesn't make the best uh, use of its full ensemble. You know, we don't Mm -hmm. get Dylan Mm -hmm. here. Um, I, I think he's probably our only real major exclusion. I mean, we don't get a ton of David and Scott, but at least they're there. Uh, so maybe give me some Dylan here and, and this could be a 10. I think Dylan could have been with Steven Brandon. Sure. Yep. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. Paddling around.
0: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so I went nine out of 10 as well. Uh, it's a great episode. It lived up to its hype. It's, it's iconic. It's got some awesome performances. It informs a lot of what's to come, which is one of the biggest parts of this episode. Um, and sure, we're looking at that with knowing kind of some foresight of what's to come, but it really does mm-hmm. foreshadow give us a lot of depth. It's only my second nine. Uh, the other previous nine was the AIDS episode, which uh, we, we really enjoyed, Tim. And then we tie it for second behind my 110, which is the uh, Jackie uh, <laughs> tour de force. So, uh, yeah. But I mean, look, yeah. if you would have said coming in to me, out of the first 13 episodes, you're going to have two nines and a ten. I would have never believed it at all. I would have said, no way. like We're not getting that level till later.
1: Yeah. it's. I mean, it's on that level with The Jackie episode, the the um, the AIDS, I call it the AIDS episode, even Mm -hmm. it's not really what it what it's about in the house party episode as well. Just awesome stuff. Just really, those are all kind of neck and neck for me. Um, I would say this, whatever other nines I may have given throughout this first season, this is I would say my highest nine. I'll put it that way, (laughs) if that makes sense. All right, uh,
2: you know, I'm so I'm I'm rewatching it kind of with you guys, um, but I'm I'm really enjoying the first season a lot more than I have in the past, uh, and everything yep. is fully formed way earlier than I remembered too. Yeah, I would have I would have never guessed season one was this developed.
0: I would have thought for sure it was just more. I, I yeah, I always thought the beach season was where they really came into their own. So yeah, it's definitely mm. been enjoyable. Is uh, very much. All right, let's hit our uh, the music that we did not hear tonight was uh, "Streets in Paradise" by Vixen. That's when Brandon and Steve were in the car with the girls. And then the song that Cindy and the girls danced to at the party I would not have guessed. Uh, I would have thought it was more modern, but it was "Moni Moni" by Tommy James and the Shondells.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) they they look a bit more um, uh, like like they have a bit more rhythm to to the original song than whatever they replace it with, which is. (laughs) Quite generic.
0: <laughs> All right, our characters uh, debuted on this episode were Amanda Pacer, Trina, Shelley, and I put Ross Weber in there because I feel like while we didn't meet him, he uh, really informed uh, a big part of what we learned from Kelly, and he feels like he is a character on the show. I, d- I did not include Hans Fleischer. I was going to say uh, you,
1: yeah. Hans Fleish, Fleischer.
0: No, or more. Um, Ma- 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 no, what was her name? Uh, Brenda's friend, Marjorie Miller. I did not include her either. Ah, okay, I-, I didn't feel like they were they didn't feel as Oh, yeah. Ross felt way more like meaningful to the episode. He felt like an actual character to me. Sure, sure, yeah. All right, relationships. I had Kelly and Amanda, Brandon and Shelley, and Steve and Trina. Yep. And then for places and things that it's added floodlights. <laughs> I don't think I missed anything else there, unless we want to put the abandoned parking lot, the abandoned
2: parking
1: lot, yeah. <laughs> might that. That. <laughs> police station. Actually, I guess we saw station. one. Oh yeah, yeah. We did. well, yeah. is it the same police station where uh, Brandon it's spent the be, night right? in the drunk tank?
0: Yeah, it's got to be. Okay, so we'll count that. All right, let's do our character ranks here before we get out. So at the bottom, we're gonna have Jackie and Dylan. Sadly, who's gonna get a zero tonight, uh, which sucks for him. But Nat, yep. Uh, yep, and Nat. So let's move. Too bad. Geo down. All right, so they're all gonna get zeros. Poor Dylan. He's never going to get that top spot with all these misses. Okay. He'll get there. He'll get there. So I think I'm um, confident having Scott at the bottom here.
1: Yes. I would put Jim at the bottom just because he literally has one scene and out. But
0: I still think he was better than Scott. Yeah, he was Scott,
1: good. He was good in that scene. <laughs> Y'all just hate Scott.
2: He just doesn't um, do anything.
1: He just like goes along with this stupid plan.
2: He's a dink.
1: Yeah. I, I, I would put Scott just below Jim. David, just because I I didn't think Scott was any worse than David in this episode. All right, all right. Um fine. All right, so we'll do Jim, then I, Scott, then David. Is that fine? Yes. Yes. Thank yes, please. Thank you for inviting right. me.
0: Then
2: Cindy.
1: <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. No? Then yes. then
0: Donna, which I feel bad because I feel like she should be higher, but
2: Oh. Yeah,
0: there's no one to put below her. I mean, I mean, above, like, yeah,
2: everyone else has Mm -hmm. to be a
0: buffer at this point. That's a shame. Yeah. It's her best. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess Andrea, I think. Well. well, Kelly, Kelly. So can we agree? Kelly's gonna be number one.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Brenda's probably number two. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Brenda
0: did
2: do a lot. So then do you have Andrea above Steve or Brandon? I guess is the question. I, I could I could argue I could see Andrea being above Brandon. Not above Steve. I thought Steve was awesome here. I could see Andrea being above Brandon.
1: I'm not. I can, too. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm good. I, I like the separation between Steve and Brandon mm-hmm. and slot and Andre between them. Um, not that it was a bad Brandon episode, but he was no, certainly I Yeah, he was just more of an accessory to Steve. Right. Which is fine. Okay. All right. So that gives us Jackie
0: Taylor, Dylan McKay, Nat Basuccio, all with zeros. Jim Walsh with four, Scott with five, David with six, Cindy seven, Donna, Andrea, Brandon, Steve, Brenda Kelly. Kelly's number one. All right. I'm going to do the overall rankings, but Tim, why don't you tell us what's going on with the North-South connection? Anything else you want to plug?
1: Uh, sure. So, I mean, listen, if you're not already subscribed to this podcast network, it is the North South Connection podcast where we have 902 Inosa, which you're listening to right now. A lot of other great variety of content here uh, and sort of um, more stat oriented stuff. If, if, if you're into that kind of thing, if you're a pro wrestling fan for sure, um, a good variety of just original shows here. On North-South Connection. Um, This, of course, is part of the quad of pods that are associated with Place to Be Nation uh, that I have some presence with as well, those including the Place to Be Nation POP experience. So check out Place to Be Nation POP, where I am part of a panel uh, known as POP Goes to the Couch, a weekly podcast where we are doing episodic reviews of Hawkeye on Disney Plus, it's probably wrapped up now at the time that you are listening to this show, so you can hear all of our takes on the Disney Plus series Hawkeye through episode six. Uh, but there's going to be continuing coverage on Pop Goes to the Couch. Uh, we're going to do in some form or fashion. We will be covering uh, Cobra Kai, which uh, is starting its fourth fourth season. Mm-hmm. Uh, hard to believe, yeah. At the end of the year, New Year's Eve. God, it'll be hard not to binge watch that whole season on New Year's yeah,
2: right? that, that night, just take the night. Yeah,
1: I know. I know we might do it. That's, that's almost what season three looked like, but really, really looking forward to getting back to that. And also more Star Wars content coming your way with book of Boba Fett, starting uh, December 29th here again on Disney plus really awesome. Um, do check out as well uh, the Place Me Nation wrestling podcast feed where I have a pair of shows, those known as PTB NXT and talking WCW. Both of those are monthly podcasts. You will find installments of in late December for PTB NXT and returning in January, talking WCW. Finally, throw throw some love to our good friend Jennifer Smith who curates the Jenny position. So subscribe as well to the Jenny position. A lot of great pop culture stuff happening over there. I do a show with Jenny known as talk and pop, kind of a variety show, kind of an interview show. It's whatever it wants to be. And sometimes occasionally irregularly, uh, the journey through infinity with this man, JT Rosero, myself, Jenny Smith and Scott Criscolo. Uh, Going through the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the films, retrospectives on all the movies that Marvel has produced to date. Uh, We are up through, coming up on Black Panther. Haven't recorded that yet, but we'll try to get back to that in the year ahead, hopefully. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter as well. I am at psych68cyke68 on Twitter. That does it for me. Drew, is there anything you'd like to promote out to the world?
2: I am on the uh, what will be the latest episode of the Chronoso WCW Watch. Uh, mm. Me and Jenny and Pete Schermacher reviewing uh, Great American Bash 1986. So check that out on this very North-South Connection feed.
0: All right, awesome. Tim, I think you covered everything pretty much uh, well. North South just follow us on social media, facebook.com slash Connection. If you want to give me a little New Year's gift out there, share this feed, share with your friends, go on to yeah. Apple or whatever podcast app you use and leave us a rating and a review and just spread the word. And if you are a listener that has not been part of this show or any of our other shows, but you're interested in talking now to an audience, reach out to us. We'd love to get you on the schedule. Uh, Honestly, it's filled up quite a bit, but we can definitely get you in there. Uh, We have quite the list, uh, wait list already set up, at least through uh through the end of the season. Tim, actually, we're booked up, Um, but we're happy to work in anyone along the way as well. No
1: shortage of episodes here of 90210, so it's not like you won't get (laughs) a shot. Definitely not. All right, let's do our final
0: character ranking before we head on out here tonight. In last place, still with her one episode appearance, Jackie Taylor with 13 points napasuccio at 12th with 24 points donna martin up to 36 points but still in the bottom tier scott scanlon at 45 then andrea zuckerman jumps up to a very nice 69 points so making up some ground with her big performance tonight david silver next at 78 points jim walsh with 87 Dylan McKay is uh, now in sixth place with 92 points. These no shows are killing him. I think he'd be like lapping the field if he was in every episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we'll see yeah. if he can make up ground as he continues to pick up steam as a character. Kelly Taylor now into the top five with 98 points. Steve Sanders at 101 is in fourth place. Then Cindy Walsh with 102. So Steve's right on her tail now. Uh, she is in third place. And then the Walsh kids still. Uh, by far, at first and second. Brenda at 137, and gaining quickly on Brandon, who's at 139. So, Brandon had opened the gap a little bit again after they closed it, but Brenda um, coming back now with a strong performance tonight, as Brandon uh, had less points. So, we'll see how that continues to evolve through our
1: next uh, few episodes. So, Incredible that'll Dark it. Horse performance by Cindy. I just want to say. <laughs> Yes, she is top three right now. Uh, <laughs> Stephen <laughs> Kelly and
0: Dylan, though, are, are Hot on the tail of likely passing her soon, so right. right. Well, we'll see. Uh, all right, so that'll do it from here. We'll be back uh, in the next two to three weeks as usual. Hopefully, everyone has a happy and healthy New Year's. So if you're listening to this to ring in the New Year, welcome to 2022. Appreciate yes. it. Uh, you know what? Chinese food's always a big thing on New Year's Eve, right, Tim? So have a little exactly. dim sum, little dim sum, and uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Take care.